Hello, and welcome to Enlightened Empaths. On this week's show, we're discussing two fascinating and different approaches to manifesting your goals. One is called the law of attraction, and I think we're all pretty familiar with that one. The other is called the law of assumption. The law of attraction is a universal law that says like attracts like. If you are vibrating at the same rate and energy as what you're hoping to manifest, then you're going to attract it. So if you're hoping to manifest money with the law of attraction, you have to create a vibration that is abundant. However, the law of assumption is different because it's based on the principle that if you assume something will happen for you, then it will. However, the law of assumption is much deeper than that, but that's just a basic overview. Right. And I think that there is a lot to be said for frequency, vibration, you know, matching our frequency and, and vibration with something to align with it. I think there is co-creation, but you're right. I think diving a little bit deeper into this will be very interesting for, for our listeners. I do too. And I agree with you that vibrational frequency is really important. And I do agree that the law of attraction works. But I also think the law of assumption can work too. However, it's different. The law of assumption is based on a belief that everything you want is already within you, including God. We are our own universe. So the law of assumption states that if you want to manifest something, you have to assume that the universe is inside of you, that you create everything around you, including the world as we experience it. Whereas the law of attraction, says the universe or your higher power will help you manifest your goals when you enter the same vibrational field of what you are hoping to attract. Okay. It's almost like that Venn diagram. Like you have the law of attraction in one circle, you have the law of assumption in another circle, but they do have that shared middle. I think there's some overlap between the two. I definitely think there's shared overlap. I just think there's there's a real difference that I didn't even recognize until I started doing research for this show. Because, for example, the law of attraction, if you're going to use that, you are a co-creator. So you're appealing to a higher power. You are using prayer and petition and pictures and visualizations and all sorts of things and tools and tricks to get your energy up and up and up so you can match the vibration of the positive thing you want to attract. With the law of assumption, you are the creator. So this idea was popularized through the work of Neville Goddard in his books, like the, his treasury of all his books together is called The Power of Imagination. Fantastic read, highly recommended, where he says that we manifest whatever is inside of us, not what we're hoping and wishing for. Can I share a story that I included in my November newsletter real quick? Oh, I'd love that. Yeah. It's a quick parable that some of you might have already heard before. This is from spellbinders.org. And it says, a traveler came upon an old farmer hoeing in his field beside the road. Eager to rest his feet, the wanderer hailed the countryman, who seemed happy enough to straighten his back and talk for a moment. What sort of people live in the next town, asked the stranger. Well, what were the people like where you've come from, asked the farmer. They were a bad lot, troublemakers too, lazy, the most selfish people in the world, and not a one of them to be trusted. I'm happy to be leaving those scoundrels. Is that so, replied the old farmer. Well, I'm afraid you'll find the same sort in the next town. Disappointed, the traveler trudged on his way, and the farmer returned to his work. 
Sometime later, another stranger coming from the same direction hailed the farmer and they stopped to talk. What sort of people live in the next town, he asked. Well, what were the people like where you've come from, asked the farmer. They were the best people in the world, hardworking, honest, and friendly. I'm sorry to be leaving them. Fear not, said the farmer. You will find the same sort in the next town. So doesn't that remind you of the law of assumption where whatever is within you, if you think everyone is a scoundrel and lazy and useless, that's what you're going to see. Whereas if you think everyone is loving and trustworthy and loyal and kind and friendly, that's what you'll see. I love the parable. And I do think there's a lot of validity to that. Yes. And then the realist part of my brain is kicking in and and I'm kind of riding that middle line between the two. Like there's going to be scoundrels and there's going to be wonderful people. But I, I agree. What you look for is what you'll find, what you're putting out, what you want to attract. Or if you're not, maybe it's time to look in the mirror and say, what is it that I'm, why do I keep attracting this into my life? Why do I keep drawing this, this same lesson in over and over and over again? Right. Because one of the things Neville Goddard says, and if you don't like uh, books that use the Bible as metaphor or story, you might not like his work because he mentions the Bible all the time. And one of the things he says is that when Moses says to God, the burning bush, you know, at that big moment, and he says, who are you? And God says, I am that I am. Neville Goddard uses that to say that we are, not not that we are God, but that God is within us. And it's that I am phrase that is so important. And he has like an entire chapter on what a strange answer that is. And it's so funny, Denise, because when something is just like marinated inside your cells for, I mean, since I was a baby going to church, I would always hear I am that I am. And I never really thought a whole lot about it because it was just always there. But it is a strange answer, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It is. I am that I am. And so let me open up my big book of Neville Goddard. Um, he says, this I am is within you, the reader. This awareness, this consciousness of being is the Lord, the God. I am is he or she that should come, stop looking for one another. As long as you believe in a God apart from yourself, you will continue to transfer your power to your conceptions, forgetting that you are the conceiver, you are the creator. Wow. Well, and I I think it's interesting because so many affirmations, they encourage you to start with, I am, I am strong, I am powerful, I am capable, whatever your fill in the blank is for that. Even you can feel it, like feel how different that is when you say I am and you and you turn it into an affirmation, it gives you, it's like you're owning it more. Yeah. With the law of assumption, it says there is no free will for everyone else because everyone else is merely a projection of you and your assumptions. So if you want someone to change, you have to change how you see them, what you assume about them. When you change your internal state of mind, views, and beliefs about others, then everything changes. Okay, this was mind-blowing for me, and I don't know how I feel about that. What popped into my mind was years and years ago, I taught in this desert town in the middle of nowhere at a high school level, and there, there was a poetry. Everyone had to write poetry, and I was teaching special services at the time. And there was this one young man in, in my program, and they wanted us to do it too. 
And I thought, oh my goodness, this is going to be so painful. And they had a big open house and people were reading their poems. So this, the, the person I least expected wrote this poem that brought tears to my eyes. It was very simplistic. It was very basic, but it was directly from the heart and very creative and very beautiful. And my assumption had always been, there's no way in how that kid's going to write anything that could be shared or would have that level of depth and not because of special services or not. It's just the kid was, had some, some behavioral stuff going on. But I think that my assumption shifted completely once I heard that. And from that day on, I saw that person through completely different eyes. And I think this kind of goes back to our, the show we did on, on judgment and acceptance is that sometimes when we do look at someone through, we take off the rose colored glasses or the blinders or we, we understand someone's, we, we see someone with empathy and compassion and understanding that it does erase those assumptions we might have had about them. I agree. It's just, I, I believe so strongly that God has given us all free will. Oh, I have no doubt that. And that's, I say that before every reading, subject to change and free will. And that's in, in biblical writings, that's in other uh, religious text and, and other beliefs is that we have free will. That's like our ultimate disclaimer. So yeah. that's where I'm going back to my Venn diagram that I think you can, you can believe in the law of assumption and the law of attraction and neither one needs to be more or less than the other. It might just be perspective. Or totally exclusive. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Denise, because I, I believe in, in free will and I do not believe that we can manifest for others. And I also believe that when we focus so much on changing other people or fixing other people or even healing other people, that is not the goal of our spiritual lives. I think our goal is to complete ourselves, to heal ourselves, to focus on ourselves and our own judgments and inadequacies and gifts and talents and abilities. And in doing so, everything else around us, including the people we engage with, changes. I heard this years ago, there was a woman doing a radio show and someone had called in and they were trying to talk, well, I need to do this for this person or I need to do that. And the woman who was the host of the show was a very direct person. And she said, no, you don't. Everybody has a higher power and you're not his. And I thought, oh, that's a good answer. And it's true. Everybody has who they deem as their higher power, their higher self, their conscious, whatever word we want to put on that. And I think sometimes we, we may think we know what's best or better, or we want to help, or we want to be supportive, especially as empaths, we, we do want to help. We want to make it okay. Yes. So, and yet what we really need to focus on, in, in my humble opinion, is ourselves and making ourselves okay. Right. And it's not being selfish or self-centered or egotistical. It's the blunt version, owning your own shit, and realizing this is what I, I, I can only control myself. I can only focus on, on my way of perceiving the world that I'm living in. Right. Right. And so with the law of attraction, everyone has free will and everyone has the right to manifest what they want as well, which I agree with. With the law of attraction, the focus is on you, but with the law of assumption, you can also focus on others. And when how you see them and what you assume about them changes, then through this law of assumption, it's believed they really do change. Right. And I don't, 
I don't know if they actually change or just the expression that we see of them changes. So there's also, there's a, a correlation between, you know, one of the first steps they say, if you are following the law of assumption is write down your desire. And that's also with the law of attraction is put it in writing. So I think that that's an interesting bridge between the two. Mm, that is yeah. With the law of attraction, you concentrate on writing it down, praying, saying affirmations, and doing positive actions to lift and raise your vibrations. With the law of assumption, you focus on your imagination and the emotions you'll feel when your goal is manifested. And as you said, with both, you write down what you want. With this law of assumption, it's important to remember that whatever you assume to be true, whatever you feel to be true, is what becomes true. And I think this is really important because haven't you seen people who are like, I'm doing it. I am doing the work. I am going to, you know, fill in the goal. And mm -hmm. yet, even as they're saying it, you can tell they don't really believe it. Right. You know, because what they're feeling is this isn't really true. This isn't really who mm -hmm. I am. I can't really do this. So the law of assumption isn't so much about your words or even your actions. It's all internal. With Neville's law, the world is merely a reflection of us. He says, the world is yourself pushed out. Ask yourself what you want and then give it to yourself. Do not question how it will come about. Just go your way knowing that the evidence of what you have done must appear and it will. Okay. So one of the things that we've talked about this, when people are, they'll get in touch with us for a reading and they'll want to know a, about a certain person in their life or a relationship. And one of the things that over the years that we both, I think, have shared with people is don't make it so specific about that one person, because then you might be excluding someone else who could be a better match for you. So if you're manifesting someone of certain characteristics or, or physical attributes or whatever they might be, don't put a face on that. Don't make it an individual, make it the energy of that. And you, and you do have to feel, well, how would I feel in a relationship with this person that I'm bringing in? Would I, you know, how do I need to feel about that? So I think that that's, you know, with both, because you do have to feel it to manifest it. But what about, this is just a kind of a side shoot, when, because what you just said triggered something for me, as you were saying, you know, some people will say, this is my goal and this, how, this is how I'm going to get there. Where would stubbornness come into this? Where does that stubbornness, hell, I'm not going to back down. I'm going to get through this and make it happen. Would that even align with either of these? Oh, I think it would. I think it would definitely align with the law of assumption. Okay. I know a lot of stubborn people in my life and I have seen them attract the things they're being stubborn about. You know, I, have no, I, I have no base of knowledge with that. <laughs> <laughs> I've told this story before, but I'll tell it very briefly again. I have a friend and her husband took a new job that she was not happy about. He did not question or discuss it with her first, which would have pissed me off too. But she was really angry. And she kept saying, I know it's going to fail. It's going to fail. I know it's going to blow up in his face and he's going to learn that he needs to listen to me and talk to me about this stuff in the future. I just know. And she was so stubborn about it. And I kept saying to her, you know, we attract what we think is going to happen. And so just be careful in, in your words that you're saying. And she kind of rolled her eyes at me like, oh, okay. Well, the business failed. It blew up in his face. 
Oh. And so I do think that that stubbornness that can align very strongly with this law of assumption. And I think it's the stronger energy that wins. So I don't think that the subconscious gives a crap about who's right or who's wrong. All of this manifesting happens in our subconscious. And I don't think the universe or the subconscious, excuse me, should really even have any I don't know. There's no judgment placed on it. You know, the subconscious isn't like, well, hold on here, lady. If I manifest this for you, he's going to lose his job and you're going to lose benefits. And then all sorts of stuff is going to change for your family. The sub- they don't do that. Nope. The subconscious is like, okay, this is the strongest energy. It's stronger than his fearful energy of, oh, I hope this works. I hope I'm doing the right thing. So we're going to go ahead and manifest her viewpoint, her assumption, because it's stronger than his. Well, haven't you ever looked back on something that you you manifested something, you brought it into your life, and then you said, this isn't what I asked for. But then in retrospect, when you look back on it, it's like, oh my God, that's exactly what I asked for. Like you might find an old list of something and like, this is what I want in the house I'm going to buy, or this is what I want in a relationship, or this is what I want in a job. And you can go back and click off every single thing that at the time felt like it wasn't a good match. But when you see it with it, the perception of time and knowledge, it really did match beautifully with what was brought into your life. Yes. But I also think that's because very few people know how to express what they really want. And this is something that I think about a lot. And when I was doing research for this show, I was thinking like, okay, what is a stressor that I would want removed? Okay. Well, Denise, this is awful. And listeners don't judge me. Okay. But as I'm journaling, I was thinking, Well, my two biggest stressors right now are my parents. It is so hard taking care of two parents in two different homes. I am Mm -hmm. constantly running back and forth between the two and one needs more prescriptions and, you know, my mom always needs more cigarettes and she's got to go to the dentist and the doctor and the bank. And it's, it's a full-time job. And I thought, oh God, Samantha, like, how do you manifest not having this stressor without manifesting them crossing over? Right? Mm-hmm. right? Like that really terrified me. Like if I keep thinking, oh, this is such a burden, this is such a stress, am I going to manifest them crossing over, which I don't want? So then I thought, okay, this is the heart of manifesting. It's not about removing this stressor. I have to think about what, what, will my, what am I missing in my life that's making me so stressed out? And it's having time for me. It's having time for me where nobody needs me. You know that song, Piece of Me? Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, I think about that song all the time because I feel like everybody wants a piece of me. My kids, my parents, my dogs, my sisters. And so I have had to manifest time for me. What does that look like? Well, I am not an early morning person, but that's what it's become is I'm setting my alarm for 5 freaking a.m. just so I can have time for me. And so do you see what I mean? Like when you're, when you're trying to manifest something, you can't focus on the specifics of the person, the situation, the problem. You have to focus on the emotion or the feeling you want when you manifested what it is that you want. And so what I thought about is, I don't want my parents to go. I just want more time for me to breathe, to feel connected to source, to be creative, to to just have time where nothing's pressing on me. And so rather than, you know, changing a whole lifestyle, I just decided to get up earlier and give myself that time. 
which also gives you more when you are present with your parents, like taking that time for yourself. And, you know, I've shared this before is I used to get up crazy early and because I needed that time and that's, you know, everybody that listens consistently knows I'm always yammering on about journaling in the morning and, but that was my sacred time and it still is. And, and it doesn't have to be, oh, I went to the spa for three days or I went to, you're in the middle of it right now. You're getting it from all directions and honoring yourself and your own spirit with taking that little bit of time. Because we're not talking, oh, I take four hours every morning to myself. You're, you're carving out that little tiny piece that's non-negotiable for you. Yes, exactly. And so like, let's say you're trying to manifest love. And I don't know, maybe you have a crush on someone or you went on one date with someone and it's just not really going anywhere. Rather than focusing on that person, what you want to do is focus on what is the end result of being in a loving relationship, right? Like what is what is the feeling that you're missing in your life right now? Is it just sex? Is it romance? Is it companionship? What is it? that you're missing and focus on that. And what Neville Goddard says, so he says everything happens in the subconscious. And he says the bridge to the subconscious is at night when you're falling asleep. And so this is the prime time when you lay in bed at night, don't watch TV, don't listen to a podcast, don't listen to music, lay in bed with your eyes closed and imagine the feeling of what you want to manifest visualize it happening for you and to you and with you and you visualize yourself creating it and as you go to sleep very often it'll settle and sink down into the subconscious i like that idea and that also in that gray time that in between time between awake and asleep it might help you dispel some of the disbelief or it's never going to happen or i'm just setting myself up Just let yourself float with it a little bit. Don't let your logical mind negate what you're trying to manifest. Yeah, exactly. And I think that what you have to do as well, especially with this law of assumption, is get really honest about who you are, what you think and believe, and how you see the world in yourself. Because haven't you known people who are super positive and light and fluffy on the outside? But if you really listen to their words or the space between their words, you hear all sorts of negative stuff. Very much so. And that's what they're going to manifest. Not the light, fluffy, fun stuff they're saying on the outside, but the internal stuff they're saying on the inside. You made a good point a minute ago about what popped into my head was when you're honest with yourself about what that is for you. Let's use the relationship example again. For some people, it's about, I need someone who can communicate with me verbally, emotionally, in written form. They want that text every day. They want that email. They want that connection. They want that conversational. So if they have someone come in that hits everything else on their list, but someone is more or less a mime and doesn't communicate, they're not manifesting what they really want but they might try to make it fit and say, oh, but this person has all of these other attributes that I really like. But if your thing that you really, really need is communication, then honor that and realize it's okay to get what you want. That is so hard to watch. I I have a friend who's doing that right now with a new relationship and he is not 
checking off all the boxes on her list and she is just making the square peg fit into a round hole and won't listen to anything and there's nothing you can do. And my new, this is one of my new mantras. I am meeting people where they are. Yes. You know, just wherever you are on your path, I am meeting you and honoring you and recognizing you and just letting it be. And that's one of the things that Neville Goddard says continually in his books, do not fight against a problem. A problem will only live as long as you are conscious of it. Exactly. And you, know? and you you're right, because someone may be, and I've heard someone say this, it's better than being alone, or it's better than the unknown, or it's better, you know, the devil you know versus the one you don't. So that comes back again, full circle to someone else's reality may not be ours, but it's theirs and that makes it okay for them. Yeah, exactly. And maybe, you know, maybe this woman isn't ready to be alone fully. I don't know. I love being alone right now. And let me tell you, you got to bring it if you're going to enter my world and to watch someone just acquiesce to someone who's, you know, not the best uh, person for her. It's hard. And yet you just, I feel like I just have to let her be where she is and hold space with her. And I'm not going to stop saying, well, what about, have you thought about, have you considered, but I am going to support her. So if we're, if we're coming back to the law of assumption and the law of attraction, it's more that she's attracted someone into her life, not the law of assumption that she's manifested this. Yes. I think that's right. Yeah. It reminds me, remember when John Holland used to always say, if you want a man, oh, you can have a man. Have you ever heard that speech he always gives in the law of attraction? <laughs> He's like, yes. if you want someone in your life, you can have someone in your life. You don't want someone in your life, though. You want your love in your life. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. So another thing I want to talk about, though, is kind of looking at the subconscious versus the conscious. So the subconscious is considered feminine. It is the womb of creation. And the conscious is considered masculine. It is where we generate ideas and put them into motion. The subconscious is controlled and fed by feelings, whereas the consciousness is controlled and fed by thoughts. So I think that's really important. The subconscious is like a womb creating our thoughts into reality. The subconscious receives and recognizes these ideas only as feelings and emotions. Therefore, if you want to manifest something in your life, you must get control of your feelings. Neville Goddard says, be careful of your moods and feelings, for there is an unbroken connection between your feelings and your visible world. Your body is an emotional filter and bears the unmistakable marks of your prevalent emotions. Which, for all of us as empaths, this is pure gold. Yeah. That's exactly how we navigate the world. It's exactly everything comes through that filter for most of us. Well, all of this reminded me so much. Have you read the Gospel of Thomas, the hidden text from the Nag Hammadi? Uh, Years ago. Okay. It's fascinating. It's a very quick, easy read. It's basically like sayings of Jesus. So if you haven't read it, anyone out there, I, I recommend you Google it. But Jesus says in the Gospel of Thomas, If you bring forth what is within you, what you bring forth will save you. If you do not bring forth what is within you, what you do not bring forth will destroy you. Isn't that powerful? And I think that's, 
very similar to this law of assumption and in many ways, the law of attraction, because whatever is inside of us, the truth of who we are, we have to give expression to it. That's why we're so passionate about getting people to embrace and honor and own their empathy and their intuitive and spiritual abilities, because that's the truth of who you are. And when you bring that forth, it saves you. Whatever you suppress or repress destroys you. And I, I think we see that all the time in physical and emotional illness and, and, and psychological and spiritual blocks on our path. True. Very true. Yeah. He also says in the Gospel of Thomas, if those who lead you say to you, look, the kingdom is in the sky, then the birds will get there first. If they say the kingdom is in the ocean, the fish will get there first. But the kingdom of God is within you and outside of you. Doesn't that sound a lot like this Neville Goddard stuff? Very much so. And and there are, again, similarities between the two. But when you're following the law of assumption, one of the first things they say, you know, write it down, all those things. But it, it is about clearing your mind out, isn't it? It's about any distractions, getting them out of the way, whatever's blocking your ability to see what you want. So you can quietly let that question, you can quietly make that connection with your inner self about the wonderful things you, you, you're assuming and want to manifest. Yes, exactly. And so I think it's, um, I don't know, something about the law of assumption kind of scares me because I'm very familiar with the law of attraction. I know how to use that and work with it. And it comes easy to me. The law of assumption, I think it can be a little frightening if you think about it, because it's saying that whatever is inside of you, truly inside of you, even if you're hiding from it, you don't want to look at it, you don't want to face it, confront it, doesn't matter. That's what you're manifesting all the time. And so there's so much self-responsibility with the law of assumption, whereas the law of attraction is all about like, I'm praying for it, I'm writing it down, I'm doing a gold book on it, I've got a crystal grid for it, I'm visualizing it, I'm keeping my vibes happy, I'm playing fun, uplifting music, woohoo. Whereas the law of assumption is like, oh, no, no, whatever is inside of you all the time, consistently, mm -hmm. is what you're manifesting all the time. And so if you don't like yourself and you see yourself as ugly or a failure or um, not living up to your expectations, not only are you going to keep manifesting that, but you're going to see that reflected in other people around you too. And that's a terrible way to go out in the world. And other people may not see that about you, but you're right. If that's the way you're seeing yourself, that's going to override whatever anyone else is telling you or seeing you to be. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it re remember back the, the secret when the secret was really big, the secret the secret. Everybody's watching the secret. You can law of attraction. But then a couple of years after they said it doesn't work unless you feel it. Like you have to feel it. So that's probably about the time that the law of assumption started to really gain traction. Yes. Which surprises me because, hold on, let me see. I think Neville Goddard wrote this in the 1920s, 1940s. There we go. So it's, you know, all of this stuff. I mean, then, you know, Jesus said this over 2000 years ago. So this has always mm -hmm. been around, but it hasn't been popularized. Um, I think really what the bleep do you know may have started popularizing that. Do you remember that documentary? Yeah, I do. I loved that. And so this law of attraction, law of assumption, 
they are very, very different. You're right, Denise, they, there is a Venn diagram here where you can have some overlaps and overlays. And I think you can work with them together uh, possibly as well. But I like that the law of assumption is so honest and true. I like that it works with this idea that we are creating our reality all the time with not our thoughts, but with our feelings. Right. So basically you're taking the power of your imagination to bring something into fruition and matching it with the frequency of what you really want in your heart. Do you think people ever want something negative and they're not aware of it? Or do you think that we, I don't know what I'm trying to ask. I guess what always has scared me a little bit about Neville Goddard's work is the impartiality of it. Because really what he's saying is we're manifesting all the time, which means we can manifest our fears Mm -hmm. just as much as we can manifest our hopes and dreams. And it's the stronger one that wins. Well, I'm a mom. I have a lot of fears, right? Don't you? I mean, I, I'm yeah. afraid of the time I send my kids to school with all the stuff going on in the world. And so I have to get control of that. And I have to believe that my prayers of protection that I put around my kids and their high school and their fellow students is enough. But that type of stuff, you know, if you get too far down that rabbit hole, it can get kind of scary. Mm-hmm. It very much can. And it is. Uh, so, you know, on a very simplistic level, the person who is highly qualified, perfect for a promotion in their work, and they're bypassed over and over and over. And then you talk to the person, they say, well, I knew I'd never get it anyway, even though they know on paper they're the prime candidate. But are they sending that vibration out of, they're never going to pick me, so why even bother? I'll go through the steps, I'll apply, and then I'll be pissed as hell that I didn't get the job. But on some level, they've been pushing that out there all this time, saying it over and over again. I never get the job. They never choose me. Yes. So so I I do think there's a lot to be said with if you're assuming, because we've both seen that in action as well, when someone who isn't qualified, doesn't have the credentials, you know, the whole Peter principle where someone ends up in a, a supervisory position without the skills to support it, and everyone kind of tips their head and like, how did that ever happen? But that person had the confidence to get themselves there or the the drive or the assumption that that's where they deserve to be. Yes. And sometimes those assumptions arise in childhood from the labels placed on us. Mm -hmm. And I think there comes a point in our life where we have to destroy that label or own it, but either way, we have to be honest about it. You know, I've spent years killing my labels. As a kid, my mom used to always say, you're almost whatever, fill in the blank. Like I remember in uh, elementary school, I scored two points below the the requirement for the gifted program. Mm -hmm. You know, my mom fought and got me in that damn gifted program, right? (laughs) In high school, I was three points below the SAT score needed to get into my college of choice. Like just, I felt like everywhere I turned, I was almost good enough, but not quite. And so I started calling myself the almost girl. Like I almost Mm -hmm. would get whatever I wanted, but it was like, ah, you're two points below or, you know, slightly above average. It's a tricky place to live. And so I have had to spend the last 20 years trying to kill that label of the almost girl. 
It's hard work. It's not overnight. No. And I think another layer of that is if you've chosen to live your life differently than the way you were brought up in your family of origin, if you've changed social strata, or if you've uh, moved to a new location and reinvented yourself, or if you've overcome uh, bigotry, or if you've done something that is very different from your family of origin, socioeconomic background, something who would have been your defining characteristics coming in, that's huge, huge work, huge work. But on some level, you had to assume that you were capable to make that break. Yes, and that you have the strength within you. Well, that's why we're such advocates of the LGBTQ plus community, because think about that quote from Jesus. If you bring forth what is within you, what you bring forth will save you. If you do not bring forth what is within you, what you do not bring forth will destroy you. And I think about all these people throughout millennia who were not able to live their truth because of stupid societal rules and customs. Mm -hmm. And it's one thing I'm so positive and enthusiastic and excited about with some of the changes going on in the world. So you can be who you want to be. You can let the truth of you be free. And, and I think that is such a gift that we are living now in this 21st century. Yeah, there's lots of problems in the world, but that's one positive thing I think we can all focus on is that we can bring forth what is within us. We don't have to live a lie. We don't have to push anything down. You know, mm-hmm. Whatever you want to do, you can do. Whatever you want to be, you can be. And, and I just think that is such a great thing. However, comma, I, I mean, you're right. On, on, on a lesser level, or well, let's not put a hierarchy to it, but let's say you um, come from a family of attorneys and everyone in the family goes to law school and you don't want to go to law school. I just, I just met a man. I had, Denise, I want to do a whole chatty show on this man I met one day, if you don't mind. <laughs> I met this wonderful man in the grocery store. He was 97 years old and he, ha- he couldn't get stuff in his cart. So I just walked around the grocery store and helped him. And he has fought in World War II, the Korea War and the Vietnam War. Wow. And he was just, he was more on it and with it than you and I combined. I mean, his mental mind, 100% there. Coolest stories. Anyway, he was telling me that two of his children are doctors and everyone in his family, doctor, doctor, doctor. And his youngest son is a long distance truck driver. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I didn't want to ask him because it's not appropriate or my place. But I thought, oh, that would, wouldn't that be weird if both your siblings were doctors and you were a long distance truck driver? And if everyone in your family was a doctor and, and he said his youngest son is so happy, he and his wife do it together and they're just on the road all the time and they love it. Yep. And I thought, rock on, you know, but that takes courage. Well, and that goes back to encouraging, you know, allowing your children to be and encouraging them to be who they came to be, not who you think they're supposed to be. Yes. Yes. I had a humbling moment about that myself. When my kids were in elementary school for years, my oldest, you know how people always say, what's your name, Olivia? What do you want to be when you grow up? I don't know why adults always say that, but they do. Mm -hmm. And she would say a nail polisher. That was her goal. Yeah. My youngest for years, I'm talking until she was nine years old. If you said to her, what do you want to be when you grow up? She would say, I want to live in a cardboard box and sleep under the stars. (laughs) (laughs) That's my Chloe. She's my true little hippie. And I remember thinking, 
oh my gosh, Samantha, you advocate all the time for everyone to be whoever the hell they want to be. And I was like, live out under the stars in a cart. Where did she even get that from? Mm-hmm. Now, of course, they're teenagers. They have no idea what they want to be when they grow up. And that's perfectly fine with me. But there are moments as parents, aren't there, where you're like, really, that's what you want to do with all this education? Well, my oldest son, and he was in, he was in kindergarten. He was in kindergarten. And, he, and they said, what do you want to be? And he said, I want to be a farmer. And honest to God, the teacher said, you're much too smart for that. And, oh. and, and I got upset. And at the time we were raising food, we were growing vegetables, he helped with the eggs. I mean, it made perfect sense. But, that, but I also thought, what right does anyone have to say to another, especially to a child, that's not enough. If that's, it goes back to the truck driver. It certainly is enough. Be whatever you want to be. If you're, and the rule here in my house was you have to be a contributing member of society in some way. And you may do that through college. You may do that through work. You may do that through the military. You have choices, but you have to pick one. Well, I think that's wonderful advice. And I know this is a little off topic, but we're almost out of time anyway. And I I did want to talk to you about this off air. I was reading this uh, summary of Carl Jung's work, and he was saying in one of his very hard to read books that after World War II, we went from worshiping God to worshiping money. Mm -hmm. And he said that he agrees with Nietzsche, you know, that there is no, that people don't believe in God anymore, even though they might go to church or synagogue or temple. And that what we're really doing is worshiping money because it's the only substitute we have for a higher authority that gives our life meaning. And I was sitting, my, my oldest daughter is in college and she's picking her major and my middle daughter is applying to colleges. So there has been a lot of talk about careers around the dinner table in these last year or two. And my oldest daughter is such a writer. She's already writing a novel about time travel that I know I'm a mom, but it's blowing my mind. It's fantastic. I really want her to get her MFA and teach writing at a college and work on being a novelist. I know that's her true goal. And she keeps saying to me, that's a pipe dream. It's not going to work. I need to go to law school. And I'm like, no, you can do whatever you want to do. Like, don't you, what are you talking about? You're a fantastic writer. If you want to do it, do it. No, I need something more stop, more solid, more stable to rely on, blah, blah, blah. And it's just made me think, you know, so much about how we do put such a preeminence on the money that these careers will make. It's, it's not right. And one of the things their dad and I have always said is we are so proud, you know, selfishly, that we chose careers not based on money. We chose careers based on service and true love and joy for the work. And, and I think that's a great inheritance to give your children, that you, you do what you love. Right. Everything else will follow. Don't you agree? Mm-hmm. And I was, I was talking to a, uh, a younger person recently. And I had just listened to someone talking about, you know, the real goal isn't, you know, the job to make the money. It's the job to give you the quality of life that you really want to enjoy. So instead of focusing on, I'm a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher, a construction worker, a, you know, a nail salon, it doesn't, you know, whatever you choose to be and making that your whole, whole goal, your life, your identity, 
this person who was speaking was saying, no, you just, you have a job that can provide you with the, the time, energy, and resources to do what you really love in life. And if you're lucky, you get to do it. It's both. And I was talking to this younger person who said, oh, I've already got that down. I have a really low key job. I show up, I do my job, they pay me. I know I could do more. I know I could do better, but it gives me all the time and money I need to do what I absolutely enjoy doing. And I thought, wow, this person was, I don't know, mid, mid-20s maybe. And I thought they already have figured that out. That it makes so much sense that they're mid-20s because I'm telling you, these new generations, are they're tuned in and turned on. They get it. Right. right. Which, is and, which, which does go back to um, what you were saying earlier about that shift from honoring a, a higher power or God or religion or whatever that might be, and then switching that to, to money and power and uh, more of an egoic stance from my, my own opinion. Yeah. And I, well, I think when it all comes down to it, everything that we're trying to manifest, it all comes down to love. Mm-hmm. It really does. I mean, people want relationships to feel loved. I think people want money to feel loved because it's a way of saying, oh, look at you. You're successful. I like you. I think people, everything people want. I think if you, if you whittle it down to its root, it's all about feeling and being loved. Again, if what you love is making six figures, and having that lifestyle that goes with it, or seven figures, or eight figures, then that goes back to what we've been saying throughout this whole show. That's the energy. That's what you're, That's the, the law of assumption. That's what you want. There's nothing right or wrong about it. There's no judgment. No. That's what you should follow. But if you're, if you're not, if that isn't your driving goal or, your, or what you really feel drawn to do, that's okay too. Exactly. Bring forth what is within you. And what you bring forth will save you. I think that's really the best rule to follow, whether you want to call it law of attraction or law of assumption. Mm -hmm. This is just a fascinating discussion to me, and we hope it's been fascinating to you as well. Again, most of the law of assumption information you can find in Neville Goddard's work, law of attraction work, probably would be Wayne Dyer or Abraham Hicks work would be a great reference, don't you think? Yes. And if you have any comments or stories you want to share about the law of attraction or law of assumption, you can always email us. And don't forget, we're collecting stories of validations from our loved ones in heaven. You can share those with us at enlightenedempaths at gmail.com, or you can message us on our Facebook page, Enlightened Empaths. If you want to find us individually, you can find me at samanthafay.com. Denise's website is thegratefulmessenger.com. We look forward to connecting with you and we'll see you next week. In the meantime, show up, do great work and share your light. Take care.